forget not. And it comes from a phrase from one of my favorite Psalms that, that David spoke and he said this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. And I want you to know something. Sometimes you have to make your soul bless the Lord. Sometimes you don't feel like it and you have to tell your soul to bless the Lord. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. And that's a, that is a command for you this morning. So I want you to keep that in mind as I share from you from the word of God. I'm going to be reading from Genesis 25 and kids, the sheets you have on top. The only way you can fill that out is if you listen this morning, because it'll help you out a lot. Clues are in the word. I want to read from Genesis chapter 25. And I want to read it verse by verse, and I want to talk just a little bit about it. And I want to start with verse 19. And it says, now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Isaac, Abraham became the father of Isaac. It's interesting. You need to note that the author decided that you needed to understand something. There was a connection to Abraham. So in this story, there is a connection to Abraham. He's the father of Isaac. He's the father of promise. He's the one who the, that the Lord spoke to and said, look at the sky. See how many stars there are. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And then it says this in verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old and he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, and the sister of Laban to be his wife. Okay, so he was 40 years old when he got married. And he married Rebecca. The next verse says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. It actually, in some of the translations, it says he pleaded with the Lord. It says, because she was barren and the Lord answered him and Rebecca, his wife, conceived Now, you just read that in two or three verses, but I want you to know that 20 years passed. There's a a little bit of a journey from the time he got married till he actually had his child. It was 20 years, but it just looks like instantaneous, right? When you read the scripture and it says, um, it's, it says this in verse 22, but the children struggled together within her and she said this she said if it is so why then why then am I this way she wants to know what is going on something she's never had a child but yet something is so unique so different something is happening in her body that she's like what is it okay Uh, am I well is everything going on is okay inside of me and so she, it says she went to inquire of the Lord. I love it. Rebecca went to inquire of the Lord. In verse 23, it says, the Lord said to her, he answered her. And he says this, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. 
That's a whole lot of, that's being said to her, right? She's like, oh my word, something's going on inside of here. I don't know what it is. I don't have any clue. I've never done this before, but something's not right. And there was actually a war going on inside of her belly. Amazing. In verse 24, it says, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red, all over like a hairy garment. And so they named him Esau, which is a play on a word that means red. Don't you love their digging deep for those names that mean something? Let's just call him red. Anyway, so there, there you go. And then it says, afterwards, his brother came forth. And his hand holding onto Esau's heel. So she called him Jacob, which means grabber. It actually is a, it's a, Jacob is a word that sounds like another Hebrew word that means deceiver. Just what I always want to call my kid is to name him deceiver. It actually is a figure of speech to grab someone's heel is like a figure of speech that you're going to be to try to deceive. So verse 27. And the boys grew up and Esau, the firstborn, was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, a man's man. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Look at the next verse. Life gets tough sometimes. Are there any favorites in the house? Anybody? You're the favorite child? (laughs) Wow, there's three hands right here, Brooke. You're doing well. (laughs) In verse 28, it says this. Now Isaac loved Esau. The man's man. He loved him. Because he had a taste for game. And then it says, but Rebecca loved Jacob. So then it's like, it's like this, this story's going on. And it's like you miss all the timing in between things. And all of a sudden, they're all grown up. One's a hunter and one lives at home. And the story missed all the growing up days. The wars between them as children. All of that is gone and over with. And then it comes to verse 30. And it, it says, or verse 29. It says, when Jacob had cooked stew. It was a a red stew, a lentil stew. I guess it was delicious. I have no idea. It doesn't sound that great, but we'll go with it. And um, Esau came in from the field, and he was starving. Ever been there? Starving? Can't stand it? You got to, man, I go right to the pantry. If you're starving, you go for it, right? And he came in from the field and he was famished. In verse 30, it says, and Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of the red stuff there for I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom in Hebrew. That, that word means red. And then Jacob 
is standing there. He's the one with all the power because he has the food that he had made. And he says this. He said, "Um, sell me your birthright. You want a bite of some food? Sell me your birthright. Doesn't that sound like siblings? Yeah. And um, that birthright, that biblical birthright, is the right of the son born first in the family, the firstborn son, to inherit his father's possessions and authority. And in ancient Israel, all the sons received something from their father, but the firstborn got a double portion because he was the leader of the family. He actually became the priest of the family. He became the chief of the tribes. His decision was the say of the land. And what he said went. And so then Jacob saying to him, "Sell sell me your birthright. And verse 32 Without a thought, Esau says, behold, I'm about to die. So of what use then is a birthright to me? I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. Did you notice that he doesn't seem concerned about his birthright? Do you get that feeling? Like it's not important to him. You see... Esau does not grasp the significance of all that God has promised through the generations through the oldest son. From Abraham to Isaac, it should have been to Esau. But if you remember the scripture, it goes Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And, and he, it's like he doesn't, he doesn't understand that he's in line, that God wants to move in and through him. In the family line. And so he, he says, what good is it to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. Like, that's how fast it happened. Then it says, Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went in. And he, he went on his way. And then I want you to look at the phrase that follows. It's very troubling. It says, thus Esau despised. In case that word is too hard for you, in case that word doesn't really give you enough, it's like to regard with contempt, distaste, disgust, disdain, to, to, to Scorn something. That's how he felt about his birthright. It was no big deal. It didn't matter. What difference did it make? He did not appreciate that his birthright was linked to God's plan of redemption for the whole world. It never crossed his mind. You see, I I just want to make sure you understand this. This birthright... It made Esau the leader of his family. When his dad was gone, it was him. He would be the boss. It would give him a double portion of all of his dad's money, all of his inheritance. Not only that, Esau's birthright was attached to the land of Canaan, this promise of this land that was going to be theirs. It, it, It had such sacred distinction to it. 
to top it off, his birthright came with the promise of being the ancestor of which the Messiah would come through. Do you understand that? Through the generations, they were all looking to be in that line of which, which the Messiah would come. The firstborn of my many brethren, the Savior, in whom all the families of the earth were to be blessed. And lastly... There was something that happened when a father died. He would lay his hand on his firstborn and he would prophetically speak over him and pray over him a blessing. And so all of this was involved in this birthright. And we don't even think about birthrights, really. I mean, my siblings and I, and there's lots of us, we divide things equally. That's how it is. But in this time and in this, in this story, you have to understand that this birthright was an important thing. And I think as a Christian, as a believer, it's sometimes hard to, to grasp a full understanding of what this birthright carried. And so I want to turn, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And it's going to continue the story just a little bit. And then I will put it together for you. And reading from Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 15. This is a critical passage. It says, look after each other. You're doing that. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. You see, I have a responsibility to you to make sure that you don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life. And you have a responsibility to make sure that I don't miss out on what God is doing. And then it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up in up to trouble you, corrupting many. And then verse 16, it says this, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. Ouch. This is a man we just read about. Who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. And I want you to know something. This passage gives us some warnings as believers. Some important truths that we are not to forget. First of all, we have to look after each other that we don't miss out on what God is offering us. But beyond that, there's a second warning. And we have to be careful not to reject our birthright that's given to us like Esau did for a single meal. And you were giving a birthright That holds so much more than the birthright of Esau. Did you know that when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you obtained a birthright. A firstborn birthright worthy of a double portion. Each of you. That was in your hand. That's yours. That was given to you. It says in Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's part of your birthright. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's you. Each one of you. That's yours. That's a part of your birthright. 
So here Esau has this birthright and he sells it for a bite of food. And you think, well, I'm not going to sell my birthright of blessings for a bite of food. No, but we trade them for other things. And we have to be careful. We have to beware. We have to be diligent in our walk with Christ that we are not giving away what God has given us. That we don't lay it aside. We do not despise what God has done in our lives. We do not despise what he has actually gifted us with. Do you know how easy it is to do that? I started thinking about it and I realized how many ways that I, I despise what God offers me sometimes. You see, our birthright as Christians is, is to inherit all that God has given us through Christ. Everything that Christ did for you, that's your birthright. Man, if you started writing a book on all that God has given you and done for you, it, it would take you hours and hours and hours and hours to write. You see, that finished work of Christ at the cross, bought and paid for you through his death and resurrection, is an incredible gift he purchased for you. I want to show you this in Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17. Look at it. It says, the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, that part of you that's alive unto God inside of you, that we are children of God. And if children, then you're heirs. How many like to be an heir? I I like to be an heir. Yeah. Heirs of God. And then joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What does joint heir mean to you? Does that mean equal parts? Doesn't that say joint heir the same as? Don't what he gets and what I get? Doesn't that seem the same as? We're joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. You may know in your head that you're a joint heir with God, with Christ. But do you actually understand the birthright with which you've been given? Or do you despise it like Esau did? Uh, We would all answer, "Of, of course not. I don't despise the things of God. But how, when we look at our lives, how we live, what does the act reflect? See, when we look at this story of Esau and him selling his birthright for a single meal, we go, well, that is just plain stupid. What was he thinking? What, why would he ever do that? It's ridiculous, Right? Doesn't that seem like it when you're reading this story? What what was he thinking? How could he have despised what was given him? How could he give away what he was blessed with by being firstborn? But with just a simple bowl of soup. I was thinking about that word despised. He despised it. And I was walking and praying and I was considering that he despised the things of God. He despised the gift of God to him. And it made me weep. And it made me go, okay, God, how are the ways that I so easily despise the gifts of God you've given me? Have you forgotten your birthright? Have you forgotten the benefits that he's given to you? 
that came when you were born again? Do you compromise that gift by trading it for something of less value? Um, There are some parts to our birthright that I want to talk about. And one of the first one is that we were created in the image of God. Look at Genesis 1.26. In just the first part of that verse, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Church, you were created in the image of God. You were created in his likeness. You see, we live in this world. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a mess right now. And if you talk about the word identity, there's a huge mess. Have you heard it? Have you seen it? Have you understood that there's a mess about people understanding their identities? Oh, my goodness. Can you see how the enemy understands that one of your first and foremost things of your birthright is that you were created in the very image of God? And so what does the devil love to do? He loves to come after your identity. He wants you to not believe you are who he says you are. He doesn't want you to understand the truth of how he created you and who he called you to be and what he empowered you to do. He wants you to think that I I can't do that. I, I, I don't. That's not me. I don't look like that. I don't. You see, we question it. We despise what God says about ourselves. He says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we find everything possible that's wrong with us. We find every reason of why we, how bad it is, how we look and how we are, are, how we are made. And God wants you to know that you were created in his image. You see, in the garden, the devil stole mankind's identity But what we don't understand is that Jesus bought it back. He went to the cross and he gives you freely his identity. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. And you are meant to look like him, shine like him and be him. That's who you are. It isn't about all the things Ruth finds wrong with Ruth. It's about all the things God finds right about Ruth. You see, he loved me so much that he went to the cross for me. And he created me with purpose and plan. And he created me lovely and beautiful. And that's hard to say sometimes. And we, our identity is at the very core of what the enemy likes to steal from us. And sometimes we we just plain old agree with the devil. Yep, I never do anything right. If I only looked like that, then I would be a whole lot better off. And if I could only do that, then I would be worthy. We trade it. We despise the very fact that we were created in the very image of God. And we, we trade it for the lies that the enemy speaks over us. You see, it's easy to see that bowl of soup and say, oh, oh, I would never do that. But we do do it. We just do it in a way that's so different than we have considered. I actually, I know of a fifth grade girl 
who cries because she doesn't think she's pretty and she doesn't think she's like her other friends at school and she's in fifth grade and Jesus Christ created her exactly like she is with purpose and with such design and the enemy loves to say no you're not good enough you 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 don't measure up and we have to cast off the lies of the enemy and we have to believe what the word of God says about us the word of God is full of things that speak truth about who we are and how he created us to be yes all around every media there's lies that the world has plastered about your image and they like to take root in our lives and we need to reject those lies and look at this word of God and find all the things that he says that you are which are too numerous to even begin to count and we need to make sure that our heart and our mind and our attitudes line up with what he says about us we cannot forget the truth that we were created to bear the image of Jesus Christ you are the only Christ many will ever meet your image is how they see God working Probably another part of our despising who we are, it's that thought of dominion. Did you know that you were given dominion? That in your birthright, you have authority. Just like the firstborn had authority. You carry a whole lot of authority. You see, the enemy took that from Adam and Eve, but Jesus Christ, he paid the price. He went to the cross. He lived a sinless life, and he took it back. Not only that, it says that he made a public spectacle of the enemy, triumphing over him. He has defeated. The devil has been defeated. He has no right or authority in your life, and you, as in your birthright, you have dominion to rule and reign. I love that. I love that. You see, we forget that we carry his authority. You forget of how he, it says that he put all things under his feet. All things were put under his feet. Every situation you face, every encounter that you have, everything is under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to rise up and understand who you are and what you carry that you can release through your words, through your prayers, through your declarations, who Christ is. You are called. You are called. In, you are gifted in your birthright to rule and reign. I want you to think about the situations you face at work, at home, in your church, in your nation. You have authority to do something about it. It's time to do something. 
Begin to declare over your family. Begin to declare over your nation. Begin to declare over your pastor and your church. Begin to declare and pray and believe. Stand in the gap on behalf of those that know no better. Understand, hey, I'm co-heir with Christ. I have a lot of power and authority, and I'm going to release it into my situation, and I'm going to let God... I'm going to see God work because he hears me and he listens. And when I called him, he answers and he shows me great and mighty things that I have not seen before. And he's waiting for the church to say, we are the church. We have the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. We are meant to rule and reign and I'm going to use it. I'm going to, I'm not going to be a wimp anymore. Church, have you despised your birthright by tossing it aside as if it doesn't matter? You see, I couldn't even begin to give you all the things that your birthright contains. You live in the kingdom of God. Jesus came and he says the kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of God is here. You live in that kingdom. And you have all authority to move and function in that kingdom. And you have the identity of Jesus Christ in you. And you are meant to walk in all of those things. And so we see this story of Jacob and Esau, a simple story. And and we go, well, I would never, never, never do that. And yet so many times in so many ways, we despise the gifting of God that he's placed within us. And we say, why couldn't we be somebody else? And God wants you to remember in this last Sunday of 2023, he wants you to remember what he has gifted you with. He wants you to not forget all of the benefits that he's placed at your disposal. He wants you to not forget what he did on your behalf. He wants you to step out of a place of of sadness and grief and all those things that try to hold us back. And he wants us to step into the reality of I'm the firstborn child. I'm the favored. I am the favored of God. He picked me. He picked me. I hope you're saying that to yourself out loud. He picked me. He chose me. No one else is better than me. I'm favored of God. And he gifted me with all I need for life and godliness. He's given me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. That birthright gives me the power and the authority and the identity. You see, it's stamped on us. We're blood-bought. We're blood-bought. So the end of 2023 is in the books. Well, a few more hours, but close. And a whole new year is before us. And, and God is wanting, as you step into 24, he's wanting you to understand who you are and the birthright that you have. The birthright that is given to you at salvation. And he's wanting us to live um, in the fullness of his birthright. He wants us to understand what we carry and who we are and that we would never forget 
So I want you to stand with me, and I'm going to put up a little bit more of that scripture, which has some of those benefits in it. And I want you to receive those things this morning as you stand. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Listen to some of the things he's done. Who forgives all your iniquities. That's all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And he says, church, don't forget. Don't forget what I've done. Don't forget my benefits. Don't forget the birthright that you carry. Don't forget. And so we walk into a new year saying, okay, I'm not going to forget. I'm going to be all that God called me to be. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, by the revelation of your Holy Spirit in our hearts, it only works that way. I'm asking, Father, that you would reveal time and time again all that you've done for us, that we would not forget, that we would not lay aside that we would not despise the gifts of God in our lives, but that our eyes would be fixed knowing that we are called and destined to do great exploits for him. God, only you can move in us. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. I just ask you, Father, for all the ways that we've despised your gifts, that you would forgive us as a people. And that we would pick up a a mantle of gratitude. And that we would walk all the days of our lives remembering all the great and wondrous and awesome works that you do on our behalf. In Jesus' name. Put your hand in your heart this morning.